Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. Welcome to Gems for the Journey, Wisdom from the Word of God. Hey, God bless you, everybody. Welcome to Gems for the Journey, Wisdom from the Word of God. And we're your hosts, Matt and Stephanie Garrity. And we're founders of River of Heaven Ministries. And we have a threefold vision to rebuild and restore, equip and empower, and revive and heal. Through these broadcasts, you're going to be touched, rebuilt, and restored, equipped and empowered, and revived and healed. And you're going to be functioning like never before as a kingdom man or a kingdom woman. Praise the Lord, everybody. So good to be back with you again. Gems for the journey, wisdom from the Word of God. And, you know, last time we talked about our faith having a fragrance, really our whole life in the Lord having a fragrance. And, and with that, uh, we highlighted 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16, that says, Now thanks or grace be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us diffuses or perfumes the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. For we are To God, the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are an aroma of death leading to death and the other the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? Who's sufficient for these things? In other words, who can contemplate these things? I mean, that we are actually, that our life, that our faith, that there's a fragrance that comes off of us, that when we're people that God is drawing to salvation, the people that the Spirit of God is is wooing and drawing uh, God's goodness and kindness, is drawing to repentance, is drawing to, you know, to receive Him, we're giving off an, an aroma and a fragrance that's leading people in triumph. It's leading people to come to Christ, but to others who have rejected him and who always shall reject him. It is, it's sad to think about this, but the Greek word, it says it's thanatnos. It really is a, it's a smell of death. It's a smell of death because they have made their choice. They are perishing. They want nothing to do with the Lord. And so the very thing that smells absolutely fragrant and wonderful to the Lord, fragrant and wonderful to those who are being saved is absolutely a putrid smell to those who have chosen to reject the Lord. And isn't that true in our society today? I mean, if you think about the Bible talks about the last days shall be like the days of Lot and the days of Noah. Well, if we look at the days of Noah for just a moment, what were the days of Noah? Noah was a preacher of righteousness. His name means comfort. And so God had called him to bring comfort God had called him to to minister to the people at the time. And it said that he was a preacher of righteousness and that the Lord's spirit would no longer contend with man. It would be 120 years that he he would contend with man. So we know that Noah preached for at least 120 years righteousness. And he also warned that there was a coming judgment that was that was going to take place. And the and the message was this: trust in the Lord. The message was this believe that God created everything. The message was this, come into covenant with Almighty God, get on the ark, get on the ark, because judgment is coming. The Lord has shown me that judgment is coming. And Noah said, you need to be on the ark to be safe. And if you think about that, you know, to to those who were thinking about 
wanting to be saved, wanted to be, wanting to follow God, wanting to trust in God, they were being drawn by that message. It was a pleasing aroma. But to those who have rejected uh, the Lord, which is literally almost everybody except for Noah's family during that time, they were repulsed by it. They criticized Noah. They made fun of Noah. And I hate to say this, but even as the Bible had said that the, the days will be like the days of Lot, the days of Noah, the last days, uh, when Christ's return is very close in coming, that it would be the same type of thing. It will be where, where men and women of God, vessels of God, will preach the word, will preach about righteousness, will preach about repentance, will preach about turning away from wickedness and inviting people, hey, you need to get on the ark. And the Bible clearly says that in the times of Noah, only Noah and his family was saved. The Bible clearly says in Matthew chapter 7 that wide and great is the road that leads to destruction and many enter it, but narrow is the road that leads to life and few find it. So it's a narrow road because when it comes to any type of preaching of righteousness, it always speaks of the Lordship of Christ. See, people want Jesus as Savior, but when it comes to Lord, Lord has that aspect of, of righteousness. I have to be accountable to God. I, I need to live for God. I, you know, I can't just do whatever I want with a title of, of a Christian. I need to actually live the right way. I need to actually allow the Lord to work in my life so that I'm living a holy life. And so this is a very unpopular message, but it's an absolutely needed message. And so again, we have that fragrance. When we're walking around, we're walking out there and we're walking in righteousness, we're walking in holiness. Beloved, you have a fragrance. You're a glory carrier. The Bible says uh, in the book of Psalms, it says, who may ascend the holy hill of the Lord except the one with clean hands and a pure heart who is not sworn deceitfully, who have not lifted up his soul or to an idol. And so, you know, everyone talks about, I'm a glory carrier. I carry the glory of God. Yes, you have an opportunity and you have an ability and God has made us vessels that will carry his glory. But what does he say? We got to have clean hands and a pure heart. And so our heart needs to be purify me, Lord. Like David said, uh, search my heart, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Create in me a, a, a clean heart, a, a contrite spirit, O God. It needs to be a place of repenting. You know, there's a principle in scripture that where there's repenting, there will be refreshing. Acts chapter 3, verse 19, it says that times of refreshing would come when? After times of repenting. 2 Chronicles seven fourteen says that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, repenting, then I will hear from heaven, says the Lord. I'll forgive the sin and I'll heal the land. Refreshing or healing. And so, I want to shift gears a little bit here. So, whereas we have this wonderful fragrance that comes off of us, but then unfortunately, again, is putrid to those who are perishing, what is that an aspect of? We began to touch on this the last time, but really it's an aspect of our priesthood. Now, from the beginning, you know, God created 
Adam and then he brought Eve out of Adam. And, and so God's purpose for the beginning for mankind was for mankind to be a governor, was for mankind to be a steward, was for mankind to be a king in the earth. And not just a king, but also a priest to walk with God, to commune with God, to fellowship with God, to, to watch over uh, the, the garden, to take care of creation, to what the word of God says in Genesis, that they were, they were blessed and they were said, be fruit, they were told to be fruitful, multiply, fill and replenish the earth, have dominion and have authority, take take dominion and have authority. And so there's aspects there of kingship and there's aspects there of priesthood, even from the garden. We see the first time that really we see uh, any semblance of a priest is also in the book of Genesis where Abram rescues Lot. He wins this great war. He comes back with the spoils from the war and he's met by a man named Melchizedek. And Melchizedek is the king and priest of Shalem or Jerusalem. Uh, You could say Shalom, Shalem, Salem. You know, there's different ways of pronouncing it. Uh, Some have more uh, Hebraic pronunciations than others. But the idea is that he is the king of Jerusalem. He is a king and he is a priest. And he is priest of God Most High. Now, many scholars believe that, you know, who was Melchizedek? Many scholars believe this is a picture of the pre-incarnate Christ who has come. Others believe it's a shadow and a type of Christ who is to come. In any event, Melchizedek is a king and a priest. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the high priest in the order of Melchizedek and that we serve as kings and priests once we're born again in the order of Melchizedek. Now, when it talks about Melchizedek in scripture, the Bible says that he had no beginning of generations nor end of generations. And so he's eternal, this figure Melchizedek. He's an eternal figure, which begs the question, how long has the Melchizedek priesthood be, have been instituted for? And I believe that we have the answer by that. He has no beginning of generation but or end of generation, which means he has no beginning or end, and he is priest of God Most High. In other words, there has always been the original design, the original intent, the eternal priesthood is the Melchizedek priesthood. And from the beginning... Adam was to be on outpost earth in, functioning in, I believe, that Melchizedek priesthood. That king and priest merged together. That governor, that steward, that one that would replenish and fill and at the same time rule and reign. The one who would speak the word of God. The one who would speak and the Bible says whatever Adam called the animals they were. There was an anointing to speak. There was an anointing to name things. All these functionalities are functionalities of kings and priests, of kingship and priesthood. And it's very interesting because, you know, the Bible says uh, in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9, speaking of who we are as the church, it says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that what? You may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So what's the purpose of being a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a special people? What is it? It, it is to proclaim the praises 
of him who called you out of darkness. It's to be a witness. It's to perform your priesthood. It's to not be ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for the Jew and the Greek. Really, the power of God unto salvation for all nations. Again, when John, the, when John the Revelator, when he is banished to the island of Patmos because of the persecution that's going on, many scholars say that the Romans try to burn him alive in oil and he would not boil. And so they, they shipped him off. They were a little afraid. They were like, something's up with this guy. So they shipped him to the island of Patmos. And while he's on the island of Patmos, he gets the revelation of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus shows up, there's this indication that we're not just kings and priests here, but it says in Revelation 1, 5, and 6, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has what? Made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. So this is understanding it's an eternal priesthood. It's an eternal priesthood. God has always had the Melchizedek priesthood in existence. And who is the high priest in the order of Melchizedek? It's Jesus Christ. And so again, you know, I'm not going to get into apologetics and things like that today. There are some scholars that believe Melchizedek uh, was a shadow and a type of Christ. There's some people that believe that Melchizedek is the Lord Jesus Christ. It was, he was a, it was what's called a Christophany, which is before Jesus came, uh, born of the Virgin Mary and came in this world as, as baby Jesus. There are many times that Jesus showed up prior to that in what religious uh, scholars call Christophanies or times where Jesus showed up. They call them the pre-incarnate Christ uh, showing up. Okay. And oftentimes in scripture, when the Bible says the angel of the Lord, instead of an angel of the Lord, an angel of the Lord is an angel, but the angel of the Lord, oftentimes we see that that angel, that that quote unquote angel, uh, men would bow down and there was worship that was given. And we know that we don't worship angels according to what, you know, Revelation uh, chapter 19, verse 10 teaches us. And, and also throughout all of scripture, he told them to worship God and him only. So the only sense that's made if men were bowing down to the angel, the Lord, that that was actually Jesus Christ who had come prior uh, to him coming as the, as the God man is coming in the flesh. And so, Mankind from the beginning was to be an eternal being, allowed to eat from the tree of life, allowed to do everything uh, that God placed there. Eden means pleasure. God placed man in his pleasure as a king and a priest, as a steward and a governor, to to watch over, to guard, to do all these different uh, aspects, right, of kings and what kings and priests do. But then there was an issue. Something got into the garden. A non-covenantial voice began to speak in the midst of the garden and deception came in and there was a fall. There was a fall. And so all of a sudden what happened then? Sin separated mankind from the Lord. And the Lord showed them by making them animal coverings that he was requiring for sin the shedding of blood. In other words, he shed the blood of the first animal and made them animal coverings when they realized they were naked. And the Lord was saying, whereas the Melchizedek priesthood is an eternal priesthood, there's now going to need to be another priesthood instituted to bridge the gap through this process to eventually 
bring about the fullness again of the intention of the Melchizedek priesthood. And that was the Aaronic priesthood. That was the Levitical priesthood. And we understand that because mankind sinned or sin separated uh, the relationship between mankind and God in the garden and the enemy, it looked like for a season, succeeded in uh, somewhat polluting the seed so that the seed of the woman then later on was prophesied was going to crush the head of the serpent. And you had things right from that point going forward. Cain's killing Abel. And so you see really the seed of the serpent and you see the seed of the woman going forth from that point. But it comes to the point where there needs to be uh, the laws instituted. God institutes the law. He institutes that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness for sin. And so then the, the Aaronic priesthood is instituted, the Levitical priesthood, the tribe of Levi is set apart for this functionality. But we know in the old covenant that that could not ever truly uh, completely remove sins. But the Bible says that they, it was rolled ahead The reproach was rolled ahead until the Messiah would come and completely remit or remove the sin. Again, there's a big difference if if it snows in your area and you've got all this accumulating snow, if you take a shovel and you push that snow and you roll that snow out of the way, that's a big difference when you compare that with the sun coming forth or when the sun comes out and it melts, it remits, it removes the snow. The Old Covenant and the sacrificial system and the, the work of the priesthood, the Aaronic priesthood and Levitical priesthood was a functionality to roll those sins ahead until the Son of Righteousness would arise with healing in his wings, as the book of Malachi says, and would remit, would remove, you could say would melt the sin away. The Bible says that, that Jesus broke the power of sin and he removes our sin separates it as far as the east is from the west. He removes our sin. He takes it away, takes it away, never to be remembered against us again. Again, when you think of the snow, the snow's there. You've pushed it across your driveway. You've cleared your driveway. But until the sun comes out, that snow remains accumulated. It's just not accumulated on your driveway anymore. And that's a picture of what the old covenant was. The old covenant was the sins because of animal sacrifice, everything else, they were rolled ahead until Messiah, until Jesus Christ would come and would remove, completely remove and take away the sins of the world. Hallelujah. As he as the high, is the high priest, so he comes as what's known as the last Adam. And so we see a restoration, okay? We see this understanding that what the first Adam lost in the garden or what the first Adam gave up in the garden in terms of the kingship and the priesthood kind of just turned that over and said, uh, well, this is just, you know, we're just going to live our own way and we're going to go down this way. But there was always that cry in man's heart. I want to, I want to go back to the garden. I want to be with the Lord. I want that close relationship. So God so loved the world in John three sixteen says that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus, that whosoever believe in Jesus would not perish, but would receive everlasting life. And Jesus, the Bible refers to him as the last Adam. And what the, last, what the first Adam failed to do, the last Adam succeeded to do. What Adam could not do, Jesus did. But also, he was the Lamb of God. He was the propitiation. He was Father's perfect strategic sacrifice. The Bible says, uh, try to wrap your mind around this, but he was slain before the foundations of the earth. So somehow, 
we have finite time here, but before the foundations of the earth, uh, in our finite time and understanding of it, Christ was already slain. Now, historically, he was slain in our finite time in about AD 34, okay? He was slain. He was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin. But not just that, but he was also not just the sacrifice, not just the propitiation, but he was also the high priest. And so it says in the book of Hebrews that he carried his blood into not the earthly tabernacle that was made with human hands, but the true tabernacle, which God wrought, which which God created, Father God created in heaven. And he brought his blood into the Holy of Holies as the true high priest. Even as the old covenant, the high priest would bring the blood of the animals into the, the where the Ark of the Covenant was. But the Bible says when Jesus did it, it removed our sins once and for all. Took away our sins. He is able to take away past, present, and future and cover and remove all sin. All sin. We look at this like the end game is salvation. Wow, I just need to get saved. Praise God. Jesus is the propitiation for my sin. And Wow, once I'm saved, praise God, I'm in. I'm in the heaven. And that's all there is to it. And beloved, I want to I wanna get us to look at this a little differently today. That is not the end result. Now hear me. Absolutely, we want people to be saved. Absolutely, without salvation, you can't, be, you can't spend your eternity in, in heaven with the Father and with the holy angels and with the great cloud of witnesses and everyone who's already gone to receive the reward before us. But hear me, it's all, all this was done. Everything was done to restore what was lost. Salvation is not the end result. It's not the end game. It was never meant to be. Salvation was to bring justification, was to bring redemption, was to bring reconciliation to what? To what was lost or or what was forgotten about in the garden. Again, it was to restore things back into God's original order, into his original design. And what happens? We're not just saved we are not just healed and set free and delivered and all those things in the atonement or at the unwonement. And that word atonement or at one in itself actually means to bring something back together that's been fractured. So it wasn't just to, to uh, give us salvation, Christ dying on the cross and raising to life. It wasn't just to give us healing and freedom and deliverance. It was first and foremost to fulfill the will of the Father. That's why Jesus came. Okay? But also to redeem us back to Father God as what? As kings and priests, as, as stewards, as governors, as sons and daughters of the Most High, joint heirs with Jesus Christ, as royalty in the kingdom. See, we were created as royalty. And you could say that for a season, Satan was successful in deceiving us to kind of drop our crown and to drop our scepter and to drop our holy garments. And then we came through this great and really terrible process, really, if you think about of the Old Testament, unto the new covenant where the last Adam comes. The Bible says in Hebrews, it's a better covenant founded on better promises, better, better, better. And now we go back to, again, in Revelation 1, what? To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has what made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. The last Adam came to make us and to restore us back into what we were originally designed for, to walk as kings and priests. 
And so then what then are we supposed to be doing? We don't just rejoice that we're saved. Yeah, we rejoice that our, our names are written in the Lamb's book of life, but we have a job to do. We have a kingship to function in. We have a priesthood to function in. We, part of that is the aroma. The aroma, we walk in the anointing. And then there's these sweet spices. There, there's a fragrance of Christ. What is our priestly function? Our priestly function is praising the Lord with a heart of worship. It's prayer. It's intercession. It's giving. It's the ministry of reconciliation. It's all these things. And we see them outlined in the, in the Aaronic priesthood and the Levitical priesthood. You know, we, we learn a lot from seeing the functionality of that priesthood as far as what the greater priesthood is supposed to look like, the Melchizedek priesthood. So it's not just we go to church on Sunday and your midweek service. No, 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 no. We are a priesthood. We don't go to church. We are the church. We are God's special people. We are his sons and daughters. We are kings and priests. And we don't just have a priesthood, but we are kings. We decree. We declare. We have the keys of the kingdom, the word of God says. Whatever we bind shall be bound. Whatever we loose shall be loosed. Hallelujah. We rule and we reign. The word of God says that once we're born again, that God has seated us in heavenly places with him. The Greek word is seen kathizo. It means to sit with Christ, ruling and reigning. And whereas we have a, an existence here naturally to go through until we're joined with him, uh, forever, when we run our course here, our spiritual reality is that even though we're here, we're seated with him in heavenly places now. That means that we're kings under him as the king of kings. That means that we're priests under him as the great high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Kings and priests. So if you've never understood this before, you're not just saved, but you are saved for good works. You are saved for your kingship, to perform your kingship. You are saved to perform your priestly duty. And it's not one of these things of religious religiosity. It's we should have a joy. We're sons and daughters. We're walking as kings and priests and the earth. So when we see the kingdom of darkness, God has given us the, the, the authority in Jesus' name to destroy the works of darkness. Also to, to bring those to him. The ministry of reconciliation, even as Jesus' uh, ministry was to seek and save the lost and to destroy the works of darkness. So we as his body, so we as joint heirs with him, so we as kings that serve under him and priests that serve under him, we destroy the works of darkness. Hallelujah. And we seek and save or, or bring those to salvation who are lost. Every day when you don't praise the Lord, something's missing in the body of Christ because you're a beloved priest. Every day when you're not decreeing and declaring the word of the Lord, something's missing in the church at large because you're a king and a priest. It's like a Congress, beloved. When you look at the House of Representatives, the Congress, and the, or the, excuse me, the House and the Senate, everyone occupies a seat. There's elected officials there that have been brought there. And we're not elected as far as by people, but God has elected us and seated us in heavenly places. And when everyone's sitting in their sphere of rule and everyone's sitting as a king and a priest and we function our priesthood and our kingship, things happen. And so I just want to encourage you, man, decree and declare the word of God. Bind and loose. Speak God's word. Worship and pray and praise the Lord. Seek his face. Hallelujah. Give. Now that's an aspect of the priesthood as well. Give the Lord your first fruits. Give your tithes, your offerings, your whatever you want to call it. But give your first to the Lord. Honor him. 
honor him with the first of your time, the first of your relationships, your, everything of the first. Again, that's a principle of the priesthood. Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth, a tithe. And so we need to understand that, that God is moving. And how is God moving in the earth? He's moving through his kings and priests. He's moving through his church. See, Jesus said, unless I go, I can't send to you the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit now is leading and guiding us into all truth. So God bless you today. Hope you have an amazing day. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, I want to give you a challenge today. Function in your kingship. Function in your priesthood. The body of Christ is lacking at large. The church is lacking without every member of the body doing its share, functioning. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, providing what each joint supplies. Hallelujah. Especially you, uh, you as the fivefold ministry. We, as the fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are called to equip the other kings and priests to be stronger and uh, more pure and more whole kings and priests. So use your kingship, amen? Function in it. Function your priesthood. Be joyful about it. And watch things change in your marriage. Watch things change in your family. Watch things change at your job. Watch things change in your community, in your church, in our states that we're from, in the nation, and in the nations. As the body of Christ functions in its kingship and priesthood. So may the Lord bless you, may keep you, may his face shine upon you, may be gracious unto you, may he lift up his countenance upon you, and may he give you his peace. Until next time, goodbye. In James 1.27, scripture teaches us to care for the widows and the orphans. We take this seriously and are actively involved in supporting widows and others in need on a monthly basis. Together, we can do more. Additionally, our radio broadcasts and podcasts reach all nations, touching lives worldwide. Daily, new listeners hear the gospel, and through these broadcasts and podcasts, millions have an opportunity to repent, believe, and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Listeners also learn about powerful Tabernacle of David principles through our teaching encouraging all to worship the Father in spirit and in truth with great passion and purity. Your financial gift of any amount will help us to continue to support those in need and allow us to launch high-quality recorded radio broadcasts, podcasts, and teaching that are available for free to anyone who has internet access. With your prayers and financial support, we will continue to reach millions in our generation and multiply millions in generations to come. Thank you for partnering with us.